Hello and welcome to Cruise Club. We've got the Need the Need to Podcast. This is episode 35, Jack Reacher from 2012. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And Mike, just you and me tonight to talk about Jack Reacher. All right. A movie that is kind of both exactly what you think it is and the opposite of what you think it is. Like, I can't Mm -hmm. describe this better than that. Yeah, it's very interesting for me revisiting this. I think it's the only time I've seen it all the way through since theaters. Caught it here and there on TV, but uh, never really had the desire to sit back and watch it again because I remembered it being sort of so generic. But this time, I have a difference of opinion. I liked it way more. Okay, well, we will get into that in a second. I want to say, since you mentioned the theaters... I did not see this in theaters. I saw the sequel in theaters, mm. and I apparently was the only person in the theater to see the sequel. Oh. So I had like a private screening. This one I just saw at home at some point. I think I probably rented it or something. I don't remember. But I did not catch this one in theaters. I don't know why I didn't, other than... I guess it was before... It was still a year before I had MoviePass. So okay. I wasn't... Yeah. I don't think I was paying a lot. Like, I wasn't... I was never really paying for a lot of movie tickets until I got MoviePass and I could just see one a day or whatever. So anyway, before we go too much further down this rabbit hole. Let me do a quick plot summary. So we open up in Pittsburgh. We see Jai Courtney with a sniper rifle taking out about a half dozen people. Then we see David Oyelowo. Uh, He's an investigator on the case. He thinks he's getting a confession. Instead, the guy that he's interviewing who's not Jai Courtney says, get Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher is Tom Cruise, uh, who's basically a ghost. He has no ID, no no residence, no credit history, nothing. He's former military. He's decorated, but they can't find him until he walks in the room to bury the man, quote, bury the man that uh, asked for him. As the investigation goes on, he teams up with Roseman Pike, who's the daughter of the DA, played by Richard Jenkins, and she is tasked to defend this man, basically against her father, even though he seems dead to rights in every way. We find out later that he was. this was all a setup by this construction company that is actually like this sinister organization and they were looking to take out this you know constru- other construction worker or whatever tom cruise has a lot of action movie stuff car chases running shooting fighting roseman pike gets kidnapped in the end he teams with robert duvall back from days of thunder they rescue roseman pike and he goes off to save the world in another small way in the next whatever next movie next story whatever because this is based on a book yeah it's a based on like a there's a series of books there's like yes. 12 of these books mm-hmm so I think the first one was called, like, One Shot or something. I, I saw it, I, re- I wrote it down, and then I got rid of it. But this is based on the first in the series. The big thing is that in the books, Jack Reacher is, like, this, like, very imposing, like, 6'2", 6'3", maybe even 6'5", guy, like, 210 to 250, to the point where, like, Dwayne Johnson, our boy over on Too Fast, Too Forever, loved this series, loved this character, and wanted to be... And I will, I will talk about, you know, who really? was almost considered, but he apparently pursued it, did not get it. But, no. you know, they have now made the two Jack Reacher movies, Cruise, out as the main role now, mm-hmm. and they're going to reboot it for either a movie or a oh. series or something. Is that so? I think they're going to have someone closer to the, you know, intended vision or whatever. No kidding. They're going to make, yeah, I could see this being a series because, like I said, like, well, my mom loves these books, and I know, so that's how I knew about the character before the movie, and there's, like, a whole series of these. So, like, he goes on all kinds of adventures, and you could make up, like, new adventures for him very easily based on the type of adventures he gets himself in. But, uh, yeah, so I had heard that also. So about the casting of Cruz and sort of like not the type they're going for. Yeah. But I also heard that he was supposed to be blonde. Now that would have been cool if Tom Cruise was blonde in this movie, but I don't have a problem with him because he's still really fucking imposing in this film, like the way he carries himself. So he embodies yeah. the character, even if he doesn't look like the character that they're used to. So I want to, I just want to get into it because this is a movie that when I saw mm-hmm. it the first time, I remembered most people, like this is not a movie that like is considered, I don't think one of 
his best movies. I think it's, you know, uh, people think it's a very good movie, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know that people consider it one of his best movies. I remember people kind of going crazy for it and being like, oh my God, this is like a great action movie. And I think what I want to dive into first, before we get into, you know, what we like, what we don't like, I want to talk about how it is an action movie, but it's also not really an action movie. Like, it's more mm-hmm. of like a spy thriller. And I think that's what kind of what threw me off. Because I feel like the second one, which I think a lot of people like a lot less, is more of an action movie. And I think that's what people didn't like about yeah. it. They're sort of what, uh, like, crowd-pleasing with the second one a little more. What do they call that? Um, fan service. It's more like fan service, I guess. Yes, 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 yes. But let's, let's, let's talk about that. Because, like, is this... Yeah. I, I think this is the one that, you know, you said when you saw it the first time, you thought it was kind of generic and you like you, you liked it more this time around I liked it more this time around too I didn't love it I still I really liked it but like I want to talk about like why it feels like almost like the exact movie that you think it's going to be and also it's not that movie at all and I don't know how mm-hmm. better to say it than that it's weird like watching it this time having seen it once before I sort of knew what I was in for right and like going into it the first time I was expecting Lots of action, lots of car chasing, lots of stuff. I mean, there's lots of gunfights in this, which is cool and awesome. But this is more of a straight-up detective story. Like, this is sort of like a neo-noir almost at times, and, like, very heavily leans into that territory, uh, I'd say, like, maybe halfway for the second hour of this movie for me. Yeah, it definitely subverts expectations in a lot of those ways. Um, the car chase that is in this movie is amazing. The fight that is in this movie, or the fights that are in this movie, are great, but it's yes. not... It doesn't depend on... Like, those are all character beats. Like, those are just... There's a lot going on here. I kind of feel like you don't see in movies like this. Um, we'll sort of touch on those, you know, throughout the thing, but you know, the way that they sort of do the montage of who the victims were, I thought that was very interesting. You know, you really don't take time in lots of movies to see stuff like that. And yeah, like let, let's pause there for a second because mm-hmm. I feel like this is it's almost the kind of movie that's showing the things that you don't see in other movies, like especially that, like instead of just saying gunman kills five people, it's like, well, she was a tutor, she was a and like it's it's wrong because, you know, we're hearing it from Rosamund Pike and then Tom Cruise kinda of sees through the noise and it's like, mm-hmm. oh no, they're having an affair. She spends probably a minute and a half or two minutes of the movie talking about who each of these people are and I know that that is it's smart in the narrative of the story because it's letting Tom Cruise be like, well why would he buy flowers at the start of the day? Why would she care about this in the credit card statement? I think what throws me off about that, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is something I made a note of, is that like that's the kind of thing you don't normally see in a movie because they are just sort of faceless, nameless victims because it's not really about them, yeah. but it kind of is about them. But it's not yeah. real. Like it's weird. It's a weird blend <laughs> where like the movie's almost throwing you red herrings, not in terms of like who you think did it because. From the jump, we know it's not the guy because we see Jai Courtney doing it and then we spin around the camera and like it's not him, right? So like I think from the beginning, we know it's like there's something amiss here. But the movie is not like it's not trying to say like, oh, you think it's definitely this guy or whatever. Instead, it's just like, look at all these things you should be caring about, but actually don't care about. Like it's it's a very Mm -hmm. weird, very weird thing. To just sort of further expand on the way that this is sort of unlike other movies that it's like, which I like saying, you know, it's sort of mm-hmm. like, a, I don't know if you heard the recent comedy Bang Bang, but like the door-to-door door salesman. That's like a nice oh, I've not listened to that one yet. No, play no, no, on no. Words. Revealing Jai Courtney as sort of the, you know, bad guy right from the jump like that. Like, that's unconventional. Like, this breaks a lot of screenwriting rules in the best of ways, you know, because it does all the other screenwriting rules sort of perfectly. Like, revealing Werner Herzog as like the big bad, like, sort of like the emperor, right? 
Knight in this movie and like Jai Courtney's like his little Jedi or Sith guy like running around doing like dirty deeds for him and stuff but like you think it's just gonna be Jai Courtney maybe with a grudge against one of his army buddies or something but then it explodes into like this whole Chinatown conspiracy theory kind of thing and like ordinarily like you gotta set that up a little more I feel than this movie does but the movie does everything else so well that when it comes it's like oh no this is almost like a twist uh, or like it's feeling more like a twist revealing more information about what's happening in the story so yeah it's hard to put your finger on like everything that they're doing that makes you feel that way but like there's just a general sense of like something is different about this movie than other movies like it and i think that it works like or it almost has to do that because i think so much by design is so not i don't want to say generic in a negative sense but it is like by the books right like it's Mm -hmm. like oh there's somebody on the inside who is actually bad there's like this other people and they're actually whatever and like there's the setup and there's the red herring so whatever like all of the actual structure of this movie is so meant to be exactly what you've seen a thousand times that i feel like you need those other things to be like well wait what, like it, <laughs> yeah. and I don't. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It's just weird. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if this is. It's not supposed to work. Is the way I feel about it. You know, like I feel like movies do this a lot. They do it all the time, but we're not like I don't know, mentioning it because it didn't work. You know, or like we're not remembering it or something. Or like we're just sort of like you know regarding it as like a problem or something for a movie. But for some reason, there's something about maybe the character of Jack Reacher or, or like the the plot and the way that the story is constructed in any way of it being well it's it's a pretty cut and dry story a detective like follow the trails the breadcrumbs kind of thing that you have to sort of figure out a way to to put a twist on it and you're not going to do that narratively right like you're going to have to do it with the with the structure somehow or something right. like that or, or showing things that are outside of the box a little bit we're pulling back on a lot of stuff which i feel in general is what helps this movie work so well like when the car chase happens or when the violence happens it's such like an explosion and like a release or something like that that like you end up it ends up you know working twice as well and i think that's the thing like this is an action movie but like the action is contained in bursts right like there is the car chase scene there's the big sequence at the end there's the fight outside the bar early on but like other than that there's not a ton i mean the movie like i don't know like it's a it's a strange like it's almost like a panther lying in wait right and then all of a sudden it it leaps and you're like oh like i forgot like this is what we're doing and i think that having tom cruise there again this is what we keep talking about casting tom cruise as that shortcut to like what kind of character what kind of actor what kind of role this is he brings so much gravitas and like for lack of a better phrase like military experience to the part you know what i mean like he you see him you're like oh this guy can take care of himself and even before we see him i mean like we know through the richard jenkins and david olo yellow talking about his backstory his past or whatever we know that he's going to be able to take care of himself but it's like oh also casting tom cruise there it's like this is kind of ethan hunt just a different path, Ethan Hunt. He's not saving the world. He's like <laughs> yeah. saving one person at a time. It's a shortcut to a thing because Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise and because he's established himself over these previous 34 or whatever movies. It's almost like uh, Ethan Hunt if the IMF never existed, you know, and he, had yeah. to, he was just still in the army and like, because he is a ghost, you know, he is ghost protocol. Like that's the lifestyle he lives off the grid entirely, like goes and like just 
buys a set of clothes and turns the old ones in and that's his set of clothes but it's weird because like you know from time to time like thankfully with Cruz and Hanks it hasn't really gotten to that point yet but from time to time it does sort of bother me with the I'll just for lack of a better term the sort of shortcut casting of like well we're going to use Tom Cruise to get that impact so that when like the character walks in the door and it's his face it's like oh damn what sort of sets it apart for someone like Tom Cruise and especially in this role in particular where everyone was sort of like you know they sort of got on his back about like well you don't look like him you don't you know you're not you're not the guy from the book and all this stuff like Tom Cruise has like this discipline and confidence and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff that he brings that like just from being him and in his life and like I don't know if you saw the hot ones with Zac Efron but he talks about meeting Tom Cruise for the first time and everything and like it's amazing just like the moments he'll create for people just so like because they know they're meeting him you know so like I feel like he brings like that's the stuff he's bringing to this movie that's working so well so that like when Jack Reacher walks into uh, into a bar and like everybody like every guy and girl sort of turns their head to look at him because they think maybe a celebrity just walked in like it makes sense yeah for sure absolutely so let's talk about favorite parts of this movie uh, is there some well actually let's talk about Tom Cruise I think in the role first I think we've been sort of you know talking about it but like I do want to point out that the very opening of this movie, one of the first lines of text you see on the screen is a Tom Cruise production, yeah. which I think we see on some uh, Mission Impossible movies. I don't know if we've seen that yet, or maybe I've missed it. I know, I think yeah. later... I think like, he has a company so far, but that's the first time I think is just his name. Because I know like Fallout, and I think Rogue Nation, like, I think the things that he's going to produce and probably work with Christopher McQuarrie, who directed this movie, who I think had written, what was it, he wrote Valkyrie? He wrote Edge of Tomorrow and then would direct and write both Rogue Nation and Fallout. So like this is kind of two of five in their partnership. And I feel like a lot of those things might be Tom Cruise productions. This is, in a way, like the vision, the Tom Cruise vision for the character. And I think you're right, like what he brings, like the history, like if his Taps character hadn't gone crazy, he could be Jack Reacher, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, this even th- feels like something that Tom Cruise could have done instead of being an actor. Like if he went into the military instead of Hollywood, like this is how he would have turned out, like come out the other end, you know, this kind of, <laughs> you know, he'd be so great at it. You know, almost like you see, like, in Gross Point Blank, like, the military gets to a point where they, like, know what they've got, and they start, like, grooming him for a certain thing and stuff, so... <laughs> Let's talk about favorite moments. Is there something okay. in here that you like more than the rest? What's your favorite part, your favorite moment, scene, line, anything in Jack Reacher? So I actually have, like, uh, one or two small, um, one or two moments I want to talk about. The first is... American Muscle. I love that sure. about this movie, like the way that he handles that car like a Toretto. And he sure. does do most of the stunt driving in, in this movie, so he is uh, awesome. behind the wheel, which is very cool to see. Yeah, he would fit in great in a Fast and Furious film after seeing Oh, is that, that why movie. you said you wanted him to play Papa Toretto? <laughs> yeah, in that little group chat. <laughs> yes. Even though he's basically, like, he's not that much older. He's probably, like, what, two or three years maybe older than Vin Diesel? No, but you do it in flashbacks. You use digital de-aging technology. You just, you know, you just do it for the performance and the history okay. and stuff okay. like that. I think my favorite part of this movie, and it it might be cheating, but I'm known to do that during these moments. Just a little bit of like a quick back back up here is like I remember when um, when I was in like Tobin's screenwriting class like one of the very first things he talked about that always stuck with me is that you know when people sit around and talk about a character before he shows up it really helps like the impact of him when when he actually like comes on screen and everything like that and I wanted to mention it in the last episode when the Addingtons were on but I figured we were 
already like talking about a lot of other stuff and I didn't want to bring it up then but like they do that also in Rock of Ages with his character where they're like talking about him and talking about him all this shit he's done and all this stuff he's done and like oh man wait till he gets here and everything like that and he finally shows up and you're like holy shit like he he matches the legend I love this movie when like they're sitting around talking about who the fuck's Jack Reacher who's this guy who's this asshole there's this montage going on where they're cutting to some guy just like walking to the Western Union to pick up money and then a good and everything yeah yeah he's going to goodwill to like exchange his clothes and pick out new clothes and stuff and like as soon as they're done talking about like they're like we got to get in touch with jack reacher he walks in the door and they're like who are you he's like i'm jack reacher i was like oh (laughs) that just established the tone perfectly for me in this movie because there's going to be other funny moments but they're going to not be like jokey moments you know what i'm saying like they're not laugh out loud funny but they have yes they're very clever there's a lot of really clever things going on in this movie in that way and like that sort of comes through when they're picking the bar fight I especially in the fight in the bathroom the really small bathroom fight with the baseball bats and stuff like Mm -hmm. all those little sort of beats are excellent even like Robert Duvall who like that should not work whatsoever he's introduced so late in the game like what is that like all these things I think are like these little bits of levity and stuff throughout the movie just pinpointed with perfect accuracy you know almost like a sniper that definitely for me hands down like I, I was like oh yeah I love I remember now like I think I love this movie. I will I will say to piggyback on that in terms of the humor in mo- in moments where that isn't really supposed to have humor or not like a funny moment but the scene where he's in the bar and Sandy comes up to him and it's just like you know you want to get out of here and like from the jump like we see him look over and she's fighting with a guy or whatever and he's very clearly in control of that entire situation and everything that he saying to her is like demeaning and belittling but he knows that she's being used and manipulated and whatever and she's you know he says at the end like when he finds out that she died he's like you know she was a sweet girl him just saying things like i can't afford you and she says i'm not a hooker he says then i really can't afford you and then she gets all offended he says a hooker would get the joke it's just it's so funny but you're not laughing because like you know (laughs) that something bad is about to happen like right away but he's still so calm and just like in the face of, like, a city where everybody is ostensibly is out to get him. Because there was a point in this movie where it feels like the entire world, aside from Rosamund Pike, is against him, right? Like, it's just, not yeah. that they are actively seeking out to get him, but, like, they're not going to help him. And then as the movie goes on, like, one another really, I know I'm getting off track here, but another moment that I really, really like is when he, the car chase ends and he gets out of the car and just lets the car roll down the street. Oh, and oh, then he gets into yeah. the crowd of people. And, like, it's just this group mentality, like, you know, no, like, screw, like, I hate the police. Like, you're you're <laughs> one of us. I don't know who you are, but the one guy gives him the hat. They yeah. just step in front of him. They, like, mask him into the crowd, which is wonderful. It's such and a it John. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like as the movie goes on and, like, he gets closer to kind of avenging one of their own or a multiple of their own or whatever, it seems like the community kind of unknowingly embraces him. But in that bar scene where he could see, like, the entire bar could want to kill him, which it seems like at one point they kind of do. And <laughs> not only that, but, like, the cops have already been called. They're already on their way there to, like, break up the fight that hasn't begun yet. Like, there's so much tension there, and you're like, this is going to end terribly, and yet he's still talking shit. And you're like, like this is amazing, <laughs> and also, what are you doing? Yeah, at times he's got, like, the heart rate of Ad Astra, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, like, he's just super calm no matter what. Like, and that's, like, his superpower, I guess. Is like, he's been in every 
every situation like he's been in something worse than what we've seen probably so he knows how to like get through it and everything but oh man it's just terrific another thing that i really like about this movie and i think this goes into the inversion of expectations is when they're in that scene when it's him and roseman pike in his hotel room right and she comes out and he's like he just takes a shower and he comes out and he's got no shirt on and she asks him to put on a shirt we're like that's like the first time i think in probably any tom cruise movie <laughs> that somebody has asked him to put a shirt on right like it just you kind of like people go to the movie to see that kind of shot right like he's yes. a handsome dude he's a ripped dude like you want to see him with clothes off and she's like can you like put like that might just be because she's attracted to him because it feels like there's like that sexual sexual tension that sexual chemistry there which is then doubled up on when like he's like you should get some sleep and he like leans in and she starts to say like do you really think i'm going to and he just hands her the keys and ushers her out of the room so she can like go home and pick him up in the morning but there's that like double inversion there that like she's yes she's telling him to like get dressed which is like weird and then like you think that he's gonna go in and like the action star like he the hero gets the girl or whatever and he's like no like i like i need sleep like what are you what are you talking about like we're like this we're in the middle of something here like go home like i i can't be we can't sleep together right now like i'm busy it's the exact scene that you've seen in like every action movie and yet it doesn't end even remotely the way that you expect it to yeah like i i agree a hundred percent with that like i second all of that but the only thing i would add to that with that scene too is like you know there's where more of the humor comes because the tone is so awkward because it's so well played because it's a they're performing really well b it's like really well directed and c it's really well written so like it's got all this going for it to Uh make to make all that work really well and i also love how he's like i can't put my shirt on this is my shirt and like he's washing it's like his only possession yep. like he's just got this shirt and everything but yeah that's it's a great moment but and it's also like a moment to show like you know tom cruise is built like a brick shit house in this movie mm-hmm. like he is so, he's a mountain like yep. it's in, it's insane and he's how old like he's pretty up there you know no offense to By those this point, guys probably like, 46 45 46 i think okay so he's not that much older than i thought okay that's not so bad then yeah like hugh jackman yeah mike you still have four old. or five years to get in the shape <laughs> so that i was thinking in the back of my head <laughs> Rosamund Pike was pregnant while filming this movie. Oh. And so I think that there's maybe, I don't know if it's because of that or just because of the character or just because he doesn't have the time or the interest in sex, but like it feels like they try to take a stance to like not overtly sexualize her. Yeah. And there was one scene where she's like talking to Tom Cruise and she leans forward. And I'm like, holy, like they're just like the cleavage is incredible. Like it's just like it was so jarring. I'm like, why? Like, hmm. and I look on IMDb and like apparently that was like a huge thing on the internet that like she was like, not only is she acting, like not only the ability to act while growing a child inside of you and like she's great in this movie but also the fact that like she's able to like be so sexual and so like you can feel the tension the chemistry there even though that is never acted on you know at all and i think it's just the chemistry between the two actors right between her and Cruz. like you want them to have sex because like they're two beautiful people but it's also like oh this is cool that it's not what i'm expecting but also like what is happening it's wild like i almost wondered at one point if this is some kind of weird stunt casting because I only really knew Rosemond Pike from James Bond. Like, she was a Bond girl. She was in Die Another Day, you know? She was, like, very sexy and she kicked a lot of ass and, you know? So, and then, you know, I knew her from, I think, World's End, but I think that was after this or maybe the same year or something like that. Yeah, I'm trying to see here. So she was in Die Another Day and then a couple other movies. She was in Pride and Prejudice and Doom and Fracture and An Education 
but like a lot of British okay. stuff. I only knew her from Bond, right? So like I was bringing that into this movie. So I almost thought that it was like against her type because she wasn't playing the action stuff up in this movie. You know what I'm saying? So like that was almost like a subversion of an in and of itself too. It worked for me either way. I think she's great in this. And and she that has to be one of the greatest American accents like on screen these days is hers. Well, I will uh, put a pin in that. We'll come back to that in a second. But it feels like this is kind of the breakout for her in terms of like American sort of blockbustery movies. Like the year before, she was in Wrath of the Titans, which I or in the same year, Wrath of the Titans, which I had not seen. But then Jack Reacher this year, 2012, The World's End the next year, Gone Girl the year after that, and then she's you know she's not been in a ton of things, but it's like this is she's becoming the Roseman Pike that people know from things, right? This is also in terms of accents, in terms of breakout films. This was Jai Courtney's first movie. Oh, uh, Jai Courtney, yeah. In terms of accents, not great accents on film. Good impression there. They apparently had to scrap entire scenes because him and one <laughs> of the other henchmen couldn't nail their American accents of like. <sighs> All right, we just got to scrap these scenes because, like, our actor can't say the lines oh, in his accent. So, man. like, you could say that Rosamund Pike's got this great accent, and then you've got Jai Courtney on the other end of the spectrum, just like, dude, just like, just speak with, speak, like, I don't know, like, just get it. Just have him use his original accent. Who cares? I don't care. I mean, but also, like, that, that's, uh, that sucks. Like, I, I feel like Jai Courtney kind of got, like, oh, he's a punchline, and I don't know why he's, yeah. <sighs> you know, he's one of those guys that is so clearly, like, he, first of all, he, he's, like, really good and charismatic, and he's an action guy, but he was picked to be in everything, right? They're like, you're gonna be the next guy, and so, like, they put him in everything from, like, Terminator to Suicide Squad and everything in between, and Die Hard 5, I think he was in, you know, and it's just, like, I feel like he never found his niche or like his place exactly and that's too bad because like so he's like Jeremy Renner without ever having his Hawkeye yo that's the thing like if he was Hawkeye that would have been like boom like a moment fulfilled for him like his trajectory I feel like oh we finally found a spot for him somewhere but now I don't know it might be a little and now he's Captain Boomerang so like you know apparently he's coming back in the Suicide Squad movie that's coming but I don't know, but I, I was just watching this going, like, he's really good in this. Like, he's he's serving his purpose perfectly in this movie. Yeah, that's what I was never sure about, because I know that on the internet, like, not that he's, like, a really a meme or anything, but I know that he's, like, a punchline to a lot of things, and I never understood, because, like, I've never thought he was, like, great in things, but I've never thought he was bad in things. And I know he's in a bunch of things, especially over that, like, very compressed three or four or five year time span, right? Like, he's just, like you're saying, in everything. But, like, I never, I never understood the history there. And it's like, oh, okay, like, I guess it's just because he never found his place but like i don't i feel like that's not necessarily his uh, fault yeah. that's kind of directors or writers or just casting coordinators or whatever i mean right. you can't he's not blameless no, but it's not who his wouldn't, fault that like he hasn't found his thing right like who wouldn't want to do all that right like yeah i'll play john connor sure like you know even if i know i'm not right for the part like if you're dead set on me doing it okay you know if that was this or whatever like who doesn't want to be in those big blockbuster movies exactly like i want to be in die hard like that would be great a couple other good scenes that i want to talk about because i feel like we're also kind of sprinkling in the things that we don't like the, the things that you know our least favorite parts and just in terms of i think kind of the predictability of some things but we'll get to that in a second but a couple of things that i do like the bathroom fight that you mentioned it kind of feels like a not that the coen brothers are not violent but it feels like a more violent <laughs> coen brothers thing right because it's like it's the physical comedy it's the goofball in this like it's the kind it's like a raising arizona thing yep. in an otherwise deadly serious movie i was thinking that i was thinking the trailer fight and kill bill yeah uh, it's just it's great because everything about like 
whether it be the comedy or the violence derives from the location that why did they attack him in the small room like in the bathroom you know what i mean like it, it all leads into how s- stupid these guys are and how messy this whole thing has become and uh, like i just love how all the little details speak to the larger picture too and he gets whacked in the back of the head and falls in the tub and they pretty much take care of each other like he's just in the tub like guarding himself like trying to get his sort of I senses even, I, would, I think guarding himself is too generous a term like he's lying in the tub trying to come to and they're just like hitting the rail and hitting the wall and hitting the ceiling and hitting each other like he's not doing anything really yeah that's true all he did was like survive getting hit as hard as possible in the back of the head without even like a warning shot you see it hit the door frame too like it, it doesn't oh, it right, just hit right. him the door I think takes most of it or the wall takes most of it he just kind of gets like clopped like if he got hit in the back of the head like full, full bore he would be dead i think like in this movie it feels mm-hmm. like physics and stuff matter right but mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. yeah like he just takes it and like tumbles in the bathtub and then they just they you're right they take each other out and then he ends it in like such a swift and brutal way like just guy, grabbing the guy's head like slamming against the wall twice and the guy's dead or incapacitated he takes one guy's head and headbutts it into the other guy's head too amazing. that's that's a great move the car chase is um amazing right like it's such like um it reminded me a little of like mario kart battles where you would like battle each other you know in like the other modes and stuff because they're like doing car foo at times but not to the degree of like this isn't possible so that was really impressive was the whole car chase thing like it's short but it's great and it feels like oh yeah this is exactly how like all this could actually happen. These are the cars that could take this kind of damage. These are the kind of characters that would drive like this. And this is sort of the kind of maneuvering that would be possible with these kinds of vehicles on these roads. So I loved all the realism, the, like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the car chase is great and the car stuff at the end is great too. I want to mention Robert Duvall, like his, the character moments of them at the shooting range is great. And then the way that they team up at the end, and you're like, how can he shoot? Like, Tom Cruise is like, how can you shoot? You can't even see. And he's, like, kind of just going on instinct and sound and, like, a little bit of sight. But the way that they team up at the end, that, you know, driving the bends and driving the dump truck and, like, using a rock and using a knife and using a gun. And, like, that whole final action scene is just, like, it's a slow building, but you're tense because, like... I think you're kind of thinking that, you know that it's based on a series, but, like, Tom Cruise's character could die. Like, he could save Rosamund if I can get killed. Robert Duvall's character could get killed. Like, you don't know what's gonna, how this is gonna shake out, and, like, kind of everything goes smoothly. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, I, I love the moment at the shooting range, because you don't know, like, you know, you know, you don't know if Robert Duvall's in on it, this and that, like, if what he's doing, like, you end up finding out he knows who Jack Reacher actually is, and all this kind of stuff, but there's a really great tension there, because of, like, again, who these characters are, one of them is um, Marine, the other's Army, so there's a little bit of, like, stuff going on with that as well, and it's just great. Yeah, they're, they're an awesome team-up, and he even says, doesn't he say something like, this is what's going to happen if I don't stop, I'm going to grow up to be, like, Robert Duvall's character? I was like, yeah, he is like old Jack Reacher, like, out of retirement one last time, so it was like the end of Skyfall, where Bond teams up with the old groundskeeper. But yeah, I, I love Robert Duvall in this. He's almost playing, like, Arlie Ermey-ish. Let's talk now about the things that we didn't like. Is there stuff, okay. I mean, Aside from the thing that we've been talking about that we've been hinting at, alluding to, whatever, is kind of the generic feel of a lot of this, and they're able to subvert a lot of it, but I think at the end of the day, it's still, there's still that, like, very inherent 
structure that has been seen in every movie and i feel like in spite of the fact that like it's able to break free of that in so many good ways i feel like it still keeps this movie from being like truly great i think what else about this movie do you think that you would change do you have extra thoughts on that like what don't you like about jack reacher i have a couple quick thoughts about that like it is at its core i feel like a procedural right like it feels like it could it's episodic it feels Mm -hmm. like an episode like i think that's the problem like maybe knowing that this is based on a series and all that kind of shit, you realize, like, oh, yeah, like you said earlier, like, he won't die. Like, they might make you think he, he might die, but he's not gonna. He can end up in the hospital and need, like, you know, a liver transplant or something. I don't know. Something extreme, but he's gonna have another, you know, he's gonna fight another day. I think part of that fights against this movie, you know? Like, if it, if it was not called Jack Reacher, if it was just, like, Tom Strong or, you know what I mean? Like, disconnected from any of that, but still took all those kind of same character elements and ideas like it might be a bit stronger like i also remember the first time i saw this i described it as like oh yeah it feels like almost like an episode of like jag or something or ncis or it could fit into like one of those late night shows that my mom also watches like she reads these books she watches all those ncis things and everything and it feels a little like that so like i think on the one hand that that for me sort of works a little against it the other thing I had, though, also is uh, I just wish there was more Werner Herzog in this. Sure. Uh, I-, I wanted to know between what the relationship was between him and Jai Courtney. Why does he trust Jai Courtney's character so much out of everybody? Why is that his number one guy, his Bob? Uh, is it his illegitimate son? Is there something deeper? Like, what is happening? Did he help him escape something sometime? Like, I needed that. I think that's the one thing we never get that would have been great is uh, just like even a throwaway line that alluded to something more between the two of them would have been nice, but there's nothing really there. I, I think that there's an element, like, there's a reason why he's mysterious, but I agree that, like, knowing a little bit more would be good. Do they explain, did I miss the David Oyelowo connection? Why is he involved? I think they bought him off, but I'm not positive, because part of that also felt like, well, we've been sort of teasing maybe Richard Jenkins is the mole but like, oh, it's actually not. It's the other, co- it's the cop. That also didn't feel like a thousand percent thought out to the, you know, last degree. It just kind of felt like, well, he's the, um, that's like the twist is it's not that guy, it's this guy. And then and maybe they didn't exactly flesh out his motive 100%. But I, I just assume that these this construction company goes from city to city. They find like a corrupt cop, you know, to infiltrate the law enforcement and everything like that. And this time it was him. But now I don't think we get a concrete answer. So he's just inherently corruptible, but it's not like he has a connection to anything. He's just like something that they bought off. I think so. Yeah. Because that's actually his, you know, that's his city, right? Like he's the cop in that. So like, I don't think they brought him with or anything. I think they found him there. I also do want to say that in terms of cops, the cop who's at the desk that they're talking about, you know, cops never use their own car, cops never vote Democrat, all this different stuff, whatever. That cop at the desk is the guy is Lee Child. Uh, No, is, oh yeah, it's Jim Grant under the pen name Lee Child. So yeah, so the guy who wrote the series is that guy at the desk. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter why they're doing the conspiracy. It's just there so that Tom Cruise can decode it, right? Like, it doesn't matter why why they're killing five to kill one that's just there to sort of have a red herring or whatever. It doesn't matter why they're framing the guy it's just that it just that it's there or whatever i kind of wish that there was a little bit more merit but i also understand that like you're saying like you've been mentioning all episode long it is episodic like he's not supposed like jack reacher's not supposed to have a connection to this people to this yeah. town to this whatever right it's like he comes in because he's called in like he's requested by name 
He comes in, does his job, and leaves. I think in that regard, it makes sense that there's no actual connection there, but I kind of wish that there was a little bit more. I wish that there was just some kind of, like, some way to anchor something to something, as opposed to just, like, what seems like a, a series of disconnected events. Yeah, it's tough, because the way I sort of rationalized it was that's just the nature of conspiracy films, and, like, once this movie revealed itself to be that, I sort of just was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to get all the answers. Like, we even find out that there's someone above Werner Herzog, you know? But at the end of this movie, the hero does the most unconventional thing ever and kills the villain by shooting him right in the face. Like, you know, like talk about like subversion. Like that was incredible in the theaters. I was just like, what just happened? Like, this is insane. There's so much that they're getting right. Like I mentioned earlier that like I give it so much slack for all that, those sort of quote unquote loose ends. Cause I remember leaving the theater and having a discussion with my dad about like, well, was the guy, like I was even confused. Like, was the guy actually on the bridge at the same time? Was he taking the shots? And he's like, no, no, it was like a complete patsy sort of situation where they framed the kid and everything. I was like, oh, okay. Even the first viewing, I had like questions about like plot holes and stuff like that but now it doesn't bother me it's not even about that you know it's more about jack reacher ultimately and i think that's what like good not just good movies but like i think that's also why i sort of equated it to like almost like a noir as well because it's like wholly becomes like like from his perspective and like what he needs to know and all this shit so like if he doesn't care then like ultimately i don't care you know the ending what i'm about to respond to isn't what you just said but we said a little bit earlier like in terms of him just shooting Werner herzog in the face or in the head at the end right like it's kind of like a very john wick moment right where it's like oh no like i like he's got connection there because they killed his dog right or you know he's the father of the guy who killed his dog whatever but it's like no i'm just gonna take care of business because i am a professional assassin or i am a trained military man or whatever like i get that i'm in an action movie but i'm going to take care of business and i think that there's something refreshing about that because in so many movies it's like we're going to arrest you or what? Like, it's just like either like a cowboy move where it's like, you know, you can talk all you want, but you're going to see your day in court. Or like, you know, there's like this big showdown or like the villain, you know, doesn't stop talking. And suddenly the hero can talk his way out of it or escape in some way or get saved. And here it's just like, no, like I'm, I'm through with you. Just shoot you in the head. I think there's something refreshing <laughs> about like the same kind of ending that you've seen play out a bunch of times, but actually executed in like the opposite way. And it just, it's, it's cool. It's very neat that they do it that way. Yeah. I think the main reason it works is because that's something that I believe that Jack Reacher would do. You know what I mean? Like, because he knows he'll get away with it at that point. And he, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, let's just end this here for today. Is what he's like yeah. kind of saying. You know, it's like, we've got this far. This is far enough. Like, whoever's up top, like, they'll get the message. He's crazy. It's awesome. Anything else that you want to say? Any other notes about the movie before I do some trivia and then we play a couple games? Uh, so this was pretty funny because, you know, on Hank's last time we were watching Catch Me If You Can with our buddy Leo, who never returns our phone calls. You know, he played Jordan Belfort, who likes to sell people pens, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see Jordan try and sell Jack Reacher a pen because there's like multiple times in this movie where they're like, aren't you going to write that down? Like, can you tell me the serial number of that gun from the other day? Uh, and he has a uh, photographic memory. That's such a cool little thing that isn't even really played up all that much but like if you realize that that he never forgets anything that he's seen read or experienced then like it adds like such an awesome sort of depth to his character for me like it's almost like another one of his superpowers or something so uh, so I mentioned earlier that uh, Tom Cruise did all of his stunt driving or most of it no all of his own stunt driving Um, but there's that one part where like he crashes into barrels and the car stalls and he has to like restart it that was not in the script but Macquarie let it in there left it in there because he thought that it 
added to the suspense of the scene, which I think is very true, very cool. Like, it's just one of those things that, you know, we've seen in a couple of movies recently, right? Where it's just like, it's not meant to be, but it's a nice character moment or like it's an error or like in collateral, right? Remember where he like trips over the chair and like they left oh, that yeah. in there because like it just feels natural. It feels like it belongs in the scene. So I think that's pretty cool. In the, in the series, Jack Richards described at 6'5", and, and like up to 250 pounds. Cruz is 5'7". So here's a short list of people who are considered for the role. So, okay, so on IMDb, and who knows if this is true, who knows where these names came from, but toward the top, one of the higher upvoted, more interesting trivia is like this short list of like five or six people. And then down below, there's a list of basically like 40 action stars. <laughs> like literally everyone who started an action movie in the last 20 years is there, including Cage and Keanu. But I don't know <laughs> if course, that's true or not, but like Schwarzenegger, Stallone, like everybody, just like yeah, basically yeah. everyone was considered. But the shorter list at the top, and again, I don't know if this is more accurate or not, Brad Pitt, Hugh Jackman, Vince Vaughn, Jamie Foxx, and Will Smith were all considered before Tom Cruise was cast. Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn? What's he doing in that list? Vince Vaughn? Could you know. could you imagine Vince Vaughn putting on like fifty pounds of muscle? <laughs> like, well, that? I mean, I think he tries to do that, like in True Detective season two, in like Brawl on Cell Block ninety nine. Like, oh, there's I didn't movies see that. where okay. he tries to play the heavy. He's not just the goofball or whatever. Like, right. he has bulked up. He, you know, he does take his shirt off and just like punch people, like murder people, or whatever. Right. So I don't know. All right. And then for the for the role of Helen Roden, who is the Rosamund Pike role, we've got Haley Atwell, so Peggy Carter, Alexa Davalos, who I don't know. I meant to look her up alexa davalos oh from the man in the high castle she's in the chronicles of riddick she's in the mist so i don't know that she's a huge star but she's been in a bunch of action movies and the third one which i feel like is not at all the type of movie but i guess this is early in her career they also considered Britt marling who i know that you and i both really oh, like and uh i think she could have worked here too but i don't like putting her in what's ostensibly a blockbuster doesn't seem to fit not necessarily but then again you know you never know i mean you never thought i mean brie larson would play captain marvel necessarily i mean that's not, not her first role either not don't get me wrong like she's got like a great bunch of movies before that but none of them are except for kong it was like okay once you're in kong skull island like you've sort of opened the door but you know yes. it took a long time to open that door for her yep mm-hmm. uh, i mentioned that robert duvall back from days of thunder gonna drop the hammer harry i'm gonna drop the hammer <laughs> Werner herzog apparently used mick jagger as a point of reference into how to play the zek which i think is an interesting what? just i don't know but i can totally see Werner herzog's like very specific selective grasp on popular culture is like yes i'm going to do <laughs> the mick jagger yeah i could see like paul f Tompkins as Werner herzog doing yep. like the start me up like video <laughs> dance they should have just gotten mick jagger that would have been have that you ever seen cool mick too. jagger act in anything i think he's in free jack with emilio yeah, estevez I've seen free jack all right friend yeah, of it's... cruise emilio estevez yeah <laughs> and then two more little bits one because we have a connection to stand-ins but the guy who is at the part oh. store who Cruz has to kind of bully into seeing Sandy. Yes. He is Tom Cruise's stand-in for the movie, which I think is kind what? of cool. I mean, not that he has to look anything like Tom Cruise, but, like, I just got no right. similar vibe off them whatsoever. Right. And the only other thing was that apparently in the trailer there was a huge explosion, and some guy in New Zealand, I guess this made news, because I don't know why else it would be on there, some guy in New Zealand made news because he demanded a refund because the movie did not include the explosion, and he was granted a refund for, like, misleading what? advertising. 
Isaac or something. Oh, was that also like filmed for the movie, or was it just thrown? Do you know anything? Like, was it just thrown in there? Like, that's all the I know. Like, it was in the trailer. I, mean, I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Scenes get dropped all the time from trailer to movie to release date. Okay, Mike. If uh, if Tom Hanks were cast in the role of Jack Reacher, oh boy. do you think this works? Could you imagine him putting on? 50 pounds of muscle. Jeez, I don't think so. Like, as much as I want him to, like, he barely made it as a hitman in the 1930s. Like, he's barely tough enough, I felt like, to portray that after seeing it and thinking about it for a, a couple weeks. Like, yep. I, I would love it, but, like, I just don't think it would be good. I'm sorry. Sorry, Hanks. Not that you I listening. think he could do probably two-thirds to three-quarters of this movie pretty well, and then I think the other quarter to th- a third of it, I think, like the action stuff, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah, the detective yeah. work I think he could do, but it's the, it's the stuff where like Cruz has to like flip the switch. The reason right. you cast Tom Cruise in your movie, that's where like they, they've so firmly defined themselves into what type of characters, what types of roles they play or whatever, doesn't, I don't think, it, it, it wouldn't quite work. It's interesting though, because when you say something like Hanks, I feel like that's almost how they used to do stuff like this in the 70s with like Jack Nicholson. Like I don't feel like Jack Nicholson is exactly the kind of guy you think of for for being like a detective and for Chinatown off the bat, like at the time. Like I think they're, they could have done something like interesting, like, you know, along those ways, again, subverting expectations, but I think it would have been too much. Maybe in another movie, you know, maybe maybe something else. Question number one, does Tom Cruise run? It's not a lot, but he does run a little bit. He's running across the, uh, the for, ba- for lack of a better word, the battlefield at the end, right? Does he run anywhere else in this movie? Not that I am aware. He's not, like, Jack Reacher does not really run, you know? Like, he just kind of gracefully, like, sort of saunters through life, <laughs> like, in this, you know, nothing can touch me way, but. No, yeah, I, he doesn't really have needs for running. And then the other question, you know what's coming. We found Harperfect on Twitter, who said you could replace Tom Cruise's character name in any movie with the name Lightning McQueen and not a thing would change. Do you think Jack Reacher could be called Lightning McQueen? I guess we know that Jack Reacher's name is Jack Reacher, but, like, he's got no history. It might not be Jack Reacher. He goes mm-hmm. by all these Yan- Yankee second basemen. I mean, Lightning McQueen did play second <laughs> base for the Yankees in the 90s, so, I mean, it would make sense. But, like, I don't see any reason why not. And, you know, it would make a great title for the movie too right just call the movie by that well, instead lightning of Jack, McQueen? just call it lightning mcqueen and then you know all the kids get their parents to take them to see it and it's this and they're like oh no very yeah, i mean i love it i would love it i think it works all right mike the final thing we have to do is the tom cruise awards whatever we're going to call them we're running out of time to name these but mm-hmm. tom cruise awards whatever they are best film worst film there's no worst film best film or best of the worst <laughs> most fun bad film i don't know that it's either yeah like the thing is like i'm sure you saw my rating like i think i think i, I feel like i enjoy this movie more than i know it it's good for I, that sounds bad but you know what i'm saying like yeah. it's a good movie but it's not as good as i think it is you know what i'm right. saying like i yes. i really love this movie but like that's not like the objective uh, picture there by any means so like no it, it can't get on the list do you think it's one of his best roles though and i feel like i think uh, existing man. in a vacuum i don't think it's a special role at all i think it works because of the history that's leading up to this i think that it's a good yeah. role because of his history of other roles i don't know that the jack reacher role itself and we can, we can always come back to this after we watch never go back like but i don't i don't know that it's I don't know. I don't think so. It's hard to say. Let's wait until the next one. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, does it does it have power to come back and like sustain that kind of thing? But like, one thing Ethan I will Hunter say though does. is most badass role, Jack Reacher. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, good. 
Uh, most daring role to take, no. It feels like this role in, in many ways was basically scripted for him. I know it's not, but like it feels like it kind of is. Okay. Best fight. Now, there's a lot of really good fights here. Do okay. we want to see the bathroom fight? Well, oh man, like... Or is it the five-on-one outside the bar? I love... I think we're going to have to go five-on-one, even though the, I... Oh man, I, you'd have no idea how much I wish they just cranked up the, the last fight just a little bit more. I know the point is these guys are two trained killers going at each other, but it was the one time in a movie where I was like, alright, they're going to get like like stupid here <laughs> they're gonna do dumb shit where like they're gonna grab pipes and throw mud and, and no they like it's like a very realistic sort of like mma fight at the end there but i'd have to say like yeah the five on one is the most okay. sort of cinematic one best theme song soundtrack score no right no i was a little bummed about that too as well like uh you maybe throw that on the least favorite list right there because i was thinking like you know jack reacher needs like a song or a theme or like just that name invokes like a song about him, you know, where it's like, here he comes in his, you know, muscle car with his, you know, leather jacket and boots and Jack Reacher, <laughs> something like that. Like a know. Sam Elliott song. There you go. <laughs> you could get uh, Kyle to write one. I'll just get, I, I thought you were going to say get Bradley Cooper from A Star Is Born to record it. <laughs> I do, do want to point out though, then I keep noting this, especially, you know, on Too Fast, Too Forever, because it happened in Drive, which we've not covered there, but we covered on Boyfriend Material. It happened in Bullet. But it happens again here, where, like, when the car chase is going, there's almost, I think, intentionally no music or no score, and the engine is just roaring, and it's like, oh, this is awesome. Like, the mixing there is so good that the engine is so overwhelmingly overpowering. You know, American Muscle, you pointed it out before, is like, man, oh, man, like, it's uh, it's intense. I love it, too, so much, but a really quick story when I was in high school and um, you heard me talk about the Hellmobile before I think where my friend had had the Super Sport the Chevy Super Sport he bought Mm -hmm. and when he was buying it I was with him and we were driving it around with the kid who was going to sell it to him and uh, they're like, what do you think, Mike? Do you like it? I was like, yeah, it's really comfortable and everything, but it's so loud. And they both like looked at each other and then looked back at me and like in unison, like said, that's the point. And like, it's not <laughs> like I was, it's not like I disagreed with them or anything, right. you know what I'm saying? Plus I was like, what, like 15, 16. So I felt really inferior in that moment. But like, <laughs> ultimately I just thought like it was pretty funny. It's like, yeah, of course that's supposed to be loud. <laughs> Best vehicle chase race. Yes? I want to put it on there. I'm not sure what else is on there, but like I said earlier, like this feels like it could actually happen. Like you could actually see footage of this on the news or something. Like there's nothing so fantastic about it that like draws me away, you know? And I feel like the movie's always trying to do that. It's trying to stay super grounded as much as possible. Okay, yeah, I just I, I listed it as hunt through the streets of Pittsburgh. Cuz it is like kind of like a hunt like a prowl. Like Ooh, they're being hunted. Ooh. Best dancing, he does not dance. Best cruise outfit, wardrobe intentionally bored bland fits in best sunglasses mm-hmm. don't think he wears sunglasses does he uh not to my recollection best death he does not die best line a hooker oh. would get the joke well he's got that other line i was wondering i think it's like something similar to what cage says in drive angry where he call where there's like those great exchange of phone calls with jai courtney and they keep calling each other back and he's like oh. you know what on second yes. thought i feel like i'm gonna i want to kill you and he goes like on this rant where he's like i'm gonna drain your blood and drink it from your boot or something like what do you have that line like, i wrote incredible. down i think he ends it with because i'm in your blind spot and i've got nothing better to do but he's like i'm gonna like squeeze the life force out of you and drain your 
blood into like a your, and drink it from your skull. Like he has some kind of crazy. You think I'm a hero? I'm not a hero. I'm a drifter with nothing to lose. Now you killed that girl to put me in a frame. I mean to beat you to death and drink your blood from a boot. Now this is how it's gonna work. You're gonna give me the address and I'll be along when I'm damn good and ready. If she doesn't answer the phone when I call this number, if I even think you've heard her, I disappear. If you're smart, that scares you because I'm in your blind spot and I have nothing better to do. That's great. <laughs> I mean, I know we can't nominate the whole thing, right? But like, yeah, I'm in your blind spot is like such a great punctuation to that crazy, crazy dialogue. Like, could you imagine Hank saying like, I'm going to drink the blood from your boot? Like, <laughs> Best freak out. I, I, again, I don't think that he freaks out. He is the Ad Astra blood right? pressure in the heartbeat, <laughs> you know, what, I, what you were saying before. Best sex scene, again, we mentioned earlier, there is no sex scene. There's all sorts of sexual tension and chemistry, but no sex scene here. Most athletic feet, is there anything that Tom Cruise does here that's warranting for something super athletic? I have a feeling, and now I'm not like, I don't go to the range, driving, shooting range or anything like that, but I have a feeling that shot that he made is... Uh requires a lot of athletic skill as well as like every other kind of skill did you see how he like rolled into his sniper position too everything involved there is uh is showing off like a very impressive skill i think that by the end of this podcast you will eventually remember that this is not the character doing the athletic thing it's tom cruise doing the athletic thing and he's not actually (laughs) making a sniper shot all the actor is doing is rolling onto his belly and looking at a sniper rifle. Okay, okay. Then in other words, probably not because he okay. does everything else in every other movie better. Like, I mean, like he is driving that car, like you said and stuff, but like he's driven, him, the actor, has done crazier things. If he actually made that shot, that would yes. be impressive. Oh, absolutely. Find out. Okay, absolutely. now we're talking. <laughs> Best running scene, no. I mean, he runs, but there's not really a running scene per se. Best or worst love story, no. Best ensemble cast, I'm going to say no. No, it's close. There's not enough Richard Jenkins in this movie either. Yeah. Like, I mean, I understand it. He's not. It's it's more the team up between, you know, Rosamund Pike and Tom Cruise, but still. So that's why I'm going to say best non-actor, non-Cruise actor female, I'm going to say Rosamund Pike in Jack Reacher. Yeah. The actors around him are good, but I think it is more the two of them as opposed to, like, the collection of them. Like, if, if she had, like, a wacky sidekick or something, you know, like, kind of a... <laughs> like a Foggy Nelson or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, like, Aaron Paul. Like, I don't know, just, like, somebody who's... <laughs> <laughs> like who gets stuff done but like is also kind of like brings comedy to it like i feel yeah. like if there was more fleshed out there more, it could have been a more of an ensemble piece but i feel like for the most part it's just the two of them and like kind of just whoever they're with at the moment like if there was more robert duvall if there was more richard jenkins if there was more Werner herzog you can kind of make that argument but i feel like 60 percent him 30 percent her and then like 10 hmm. percent everybody else I wonder if his thing is teaming up with women because he teams up with Colby Smolders in the next one. And then maybe even more so to your point and maybe my er earlier when I couldn't think of the word fan service, but like they do that in the next one where they pick up, from what I remember, they pick up like they're protecting a young girl in that movie. So like they sort of pick up this character and she's along for the ride and everything so it kind of they draw in more of an ensemble for you in that one perhaps so we'll see i'm very interested to see the sequel like even more so now because i remember liking the sequel more than the original and thinking that was like the wrong thing because i feel like this is the one that's not like this has like a, a meta score in the 50s i think like it's not like a hugely critically successful film but like i feel like the quote unquote smart one to like is this one but i remember liking the other one more but 
I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I still wake up amazed that Mission Impossible 1 is still my favorite, but it is. Like, and I feel like that's just a thing where it's like, well, public record didn't like it. That doesn't mean it's not good kind of thing. So, like, maybe it's the reverse here. Maybe it's like, oh, everyone loved the first one. They sort of short-sighted the second one, but it's actually better. We'll see. I don't know. I am very excited now, though, after revisiting this and realizing how much I like Jack Reacher. Yeah, I don't know that the second one's going to be better. I think the second one might just be more fun, but, you know, we'll find out. It might be more formulaic. I don't know. We will find out in a couple weeks. But next week, Mike, over on Hanks from the Memories, we've got The Lady Killers, the Coen Brothers farce. This is the first movie outside of the Gold Mile, the Green Mile, whatever we're calling Mm -hmm. for Tom Hanks. This is kind of the start of the next phase of his career where things are not necessarily always great. Is this the first remake we're going to have for Cruise Club? For Tom Tom Club? Yeah. Did Cruise make a remake of anything? I can't. One of the um, Nor Ephron movies for Hanks was a remake, wasn't it? Wasn't that, that wasn't that told? Like, oh, yeah. You've Got Mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've Got Mail was like the shop around the corner. Okay. Yeah, sort of like a reimagining. It should be interesting, nonetheless, because I know that, like, Alec Guinness was in the original. I've never seen it, but I've discovered since that, like, before Obi-Wan, he had it, like... He was, like, a, one of, like, the biggest comedic actors in London, like, or in the UK. I don't know. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. Never seen yeah. it before. And then in two weeks, right here on Cruise Level, we've got Oblivion. Tom Cruise in a sci-fi oh, futuristic yeah. wonderscape. Oh, boy. Have you seen that? I have. I saw that in theaters. Okay. Oh, okay. There's some really cool technology in that movie that they're using now on, like, The Mandalorian and stuff. I'm going to talk about cool. on that episode. Yeah, so then the, the Jack Reacher sequel is going to be in four episodes. So we've got, between now and then, we've got Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, Rogue Nation, and then Jack Reacher Never Go Back. So we've got a good little stretch here coming up, which is not a surprise because all of... Cruise Club has pretty much been a good little strike. So. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts? Any other last final words before we take our piece? Jack Reacher cosplay, super duper easy. Super oh, yeah. duper easy. So there for, you go. For all things Cruise Club, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, run, R-U-N, at cageclub.me. Like I said, come back next week on Hanks from the Memories for the Lady Killers. Come back in two weeks for Oblivion. And check out all... 30, all 70 episodes of the two shows together at cageclub.me or wherever you find podcasts. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time right here on Cruise Club. Here he comes in his muscle car with his leather jacket and boots and Jack Reacher.